0: So the word today is is not for everyone. Uh, I'm just hoping it's for someone. Uh, it is for me. Okay. So a lot of most of you in here will not be able to identify with this message because this message is for only those people who have ever failed and made a mistake. So if you've never had a failure in your life, if you've never sinned, if you've never fallen short, then uh, this does not apply to you. But for me, uh, I'm going to preach a good word to myself. Is that okay? I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. Because, see, I look all around and I watch, anybody watch TV? Anybody watch the news? Uh, The news is full of folks making mistakes. It's full of people making bad decisions, bad choices, and suffering consequences. Everywhere you turn, when you talk to somebody, you go to work, you go to school, you you talk to your neighbor, you hear about somebody else who had a failure in their life. Someone who didn't live up to their expectations, to someone else's expectations. But mainly not living up to God's expectations you see because God gave us his law he gave us the great suggestions how many's ever heard of the 10 suggestions now, that's they're called the 10 commandments they're not suggestions and they're still good today but all of us Fall short of success in some area of our life. And so then we feel condemned. And then the devil loves failure. He is the author, he is right there, he is the cheerleader for failure. He is the one that plants it in your mind. He's there in the beginning, amen, to tempt Adam and Eve. And he is there every moment of your life. The Bible says we have an adversary, the devil, seeking who he may devour. He's looking for somebody. He's looking for his next victim. He's never satisfied. If you fail one time, uh, he doesn't give up and quit. He's looking for you to do it again. And so he is excited uh, uh, about your failure. But can I tell you this morning, God is more excited about your success. Because a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. I told him Wednesday night, as long as you get up one more time, then you fall down, you're going to be all right. So I want to talk to you today uh, about someone who I, I can identify with. I'm glad he's here in the Word of God because, and I talk about him a lot. It's because of what the power of God can do, what he did in his life and what he wants to do in your life because God has a plan. So I want you to turn, you're, you're there in Luke chapter 22 and we're going to begin to read in verse number 31. And Jesus is talking to Simon Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith fail not. Now, I want to just point a couple of things out as we begin to dissect the Scripture just a little bit. Now, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, so maybe a little different if you're reading out of King James or New King James. But... Jesus, first of all, says, "Simon, Simon, Satan." King James says, "Has desired." New Living says, "Has asked to sift you. He wants to run you through the ringer and see if he what kind of response he can get out of you." Jesus said, Peter, the devil desires to wring your neck until he can get you to make a wrong confession. Peter, the devil is trying to aggravate you enough until you just fuss and cuss and just blow your top. Peter, the devil has asked if he can just try and tempt you and just see what you're made of. But see, that's not the the important part there. We all know we have an adversary. We all know the devil's out to, to, just like he was out to get Adam and Eve. He's out to get Jesus, and he's out to get us. Are you better than Jesus? Jesus, the devil was after him. Jesus had to come against him with the word. He had to declare the word. He had to take authority over him, and he did. And he said, you can too. But I love this part right here. Because Peter, I mean, in, in, in the whole context when Peter's, Jesus is saying, Peter the devil is asking, he wants to try you. But Jesus said, but I am praying for you. Woo! Aren't you glad somebody's praying for you? Had a daddy prayed for me. Had a mama that prayed for me. Had a granny that prayed for me. Had brothers and sisters that pray for me. I have a wife that prays for me, children who pray for me, a church who prays for me, and I thank God for every bit of it. But I'm also glad that I have a father, a heavenly father, amen, who is staring on the throne and Jesus is sitting at his right hand and Jesus is making intercession for me and he's praying for me and he's saying, Lord, don't let him be tempted more than he can handle. Sometime I wish... The Lord didn't think so much of me. (laughs) I don't know why you think I can handle that, Lord. But he said, I'm praying for you, Peter. And then, I like this next scripture. It just says, so when you have repented. Jesus said, Peter, the devil desires to tempt you. But I'm praying for you. And when you have repented, and I'm going to ask you a question, why do you need to repent? Because you sinned. So, Jesus just went right on and told him right up front, buddy, you're going you're gonna to fail. You're, he's he's going to get you. You're going to fail. You're going to fall flat on your face. But, when you... You have repented because you know, God not only only he doesn't only know that you're going to fail, he also knows your heart, and he also knows you love him, and he also knows that you're going to repent. And Jesus said, When you've repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Now, I want you just to think about it a little bit, let's just talk about Peter. Now here Peter is. Uh, th- this is getting toward the end, and uh, but in the beginning, Peter is a young guy. He is out there. He's a fisherman. He's a professional. He's got his own boat. He's got his own business. How many's got their own business? How many's got your own boat? Now you have to raise your hand. <laughs> Don't you wish your business was on a boat? <laughs> Let me tell you, if you've ever, ever, ever watched The you know, Greatest Catch and all that, that's nothing but hard work. It's tough to get you killed. Thank you, Brother George. I appreciate that very, very much. And so here Peter is. He's, he's got his own business. He's got his own boat. And uh, he has been out all night long. And he has caught no fish. And Jesus comes up, uh, wandering and walking up the seashore. And says, uh, hey, what you doing? Probably annoyed Peter just a little bit. I mean, he's there in a the boat. He's cleaning his nets. I mean, are you, what do you mean? What am I? <laughs> I've just been fishing. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> hey, why don't we go back out there and go fishing? Okay, who, who are you? I'm a professional fisherman. And I've been out there fishing. And there ain't no fish. And Jesus said, come on, let just, just, just cast off here a little bit. And he said, I fished all night. I caught no fishes. But the Bible says, but at his word, he did it. A str- he took a stranger's word. There was something. The Holy Spirit is already working and dealing with him. So he gets out there, and once again, he's fishing, and there ain't no fish. And there's something inside of him. He wants to look at Jesus and say, I told you so. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm the fisherman here. And so Jesus simply says, hey, why don't you cast your net on the other side? Now, I don't know about you, if you've ever fished, uh, I, I, I cast my line on every side. This side, that side, front side, back side. I mean, you're, you're just it everywhere. So I'm sure he's already thrown it on that side before. And now he's on this side. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you cast your net on the other side? And so, okay, uh, you know, what have I got to lose? So, and and this is not easy work bringing all these nets in. And so they got it and he throws it out. You know the story. Bam! The whole net is full. The boat about sinks. They call all the other boats over. They fill all them boats up. And I mean, it's just a miracle. And Peter falls on his knees and said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinner. (laughs) <laughs> he said, man, get away from me. I, I, I'm, I'm a bad dude. I don't even deserve this. Because I don't know if you realize it, but that was money. He was a professional fisherman. I mean, they weren't just trying to have a fish fry. That, that, that load that day filled up his boat and everybody else's boat. Everybody that day was blessed. I don't know if you've ever watched Wicked Tuna or not, but man, they go out there and catch those big old tuna and bring those dudes in and get ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars for one fish. That's money. And I mean you're out there fishing and Jesus walks by and says, Hey, won't you throw your pole over there? And you catch two or three of those dudes? I mean, you know, you you're talking about a hundred thousand dollars, you're blessed. So, I mean, these guys were blessed that day, and Peter realized this, this is awesome, and he says, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus says to him, this was his call. This was the defining moment. I mean, what are you going to do with your life and your eternity? Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. Peter just had an abundance of fish and blessing and prosperity and all that, and he walked Away from it all. He left his boat, his nets, he left everything, and he followed Jesus. But you know what? He was not perfect, and he made mistake after mistake after mistake. He was there when they fed the 5,000, he was there, amen, I when Jesus did all the miracles. And one day, Jesus was preaching, and Jesus said, I must suffer many things, and I must go, and I must die. And Peter rebuked him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? But Peter, he knew, you know, he, he knew, he knew it all. And Peter rebuked Jesus, "Hey, Jesus, don't talk like that. You're not gonna die." And Jesus looked at him and said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." Whoa, Jesus just called me the devil. I mean, talk about hurt your feelings, you know. But it wasn't he wasn't calling. Peter the devil he was saying Peter the spirit that you're operating in because it's the enemy that's trying to tell me no don't go and do and fulfill the purpose of God in your life and so Peter's got to get over that and you know then Peter's the one in the water when Jesus walks by and he thinks it's a ghost and you know Jesus says hey Peter it's no it's me and Peter says Jesus if that's you bid me come and Jesus said come on Peter jumps out there with all of his friends saying, Hey, whoa, 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 you can't do that. That's never been done. And Peter got out there and just started walking on top of that water. But then all of a sudden, he got to looking around. And he began to sink. But just for a moment. Because then he called on God. And he lifted his hand and Jesus picked him up. And Jesus said, Peter, why do you have such little faith? And, and What Jesus wasn't saying, that it it takes big faith to walk on water. Anybody ever walked on water? So it takes big faith to walk on water. What that scripture refers to, what it says, is why did you have such short-lived? Your faith was, it was burst, but then it dwindled. You had the faith, but then it Diminished. You allowed the circumstances of life and you got your eyes on other things and it, began, it It took your faith. And so it takes big faith to walk on water. So Peter had some amazing things happen. But Jesus is here at this point and they, they've, they've gone through all these things and Peter loves Jesus. He's been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He has been through all this stuff. I mean, he is there. He is Jesus' right-hand man. I'm ready. And Jesus says, Peter, you, you the devil desires to sift you. And Peter said, Jesus, I will die for you. I, I believe Peter was sincere. I believe people are sincere when they say, Man, I'm not gonna make it, I'm not gonna mess up, I'm not gonna fail, I'm not gonna do that again. How many have ever said that? And we were you're sincere. We're sincere. You don't, but you know what? Then circumstances of life. So then Jesus takes Peter and John and they, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And they begin to pray. Jesus had just told him, Peter, the devil desires to sift you. So then they're there, they're praying, and Jesus is praying, and great sweat drops of blood. He's under such agony, he's about to go to the cross, and he comes back, and Peter, his faithful disciple, the one that said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you, Jesus woke him up. Come on, come on, guys. Listen, could could, could you not? tarry with me but one hour can't you just pray with me right now I, I, my heart is exceedingly heavy I'm, I, I'm about to to, to to change eternity I'm about amen, to bring God and man back together I'm about to go through a horrific uh, crucifixion and uh, I, I just need you to pray with me and he goes off to pray again he comes back they're sound asleep again he goes and prays again he comes, and this time he says just, just sleep on guys just sleep on. But about that time, here comes Judas. Here comes the soldiers. Here comes the lights. And all of a sudden, Peter jumps up. And I'm going to tell you something. When you jump up out of sleep instead of prayer, huh, you always make the wrong choice. When you've been in prayer, when, you, when you've had time to get your mind right, and your spirit right, and your heart right, you will react differently than when you're just lulled to sleep. And when you wake up in fear, amen, You can't go through life asleep. You can't go through life. You've got to be prayed up. You've got to be walking in the Spirit. You've got to be looking and noticing and knowing what's going on. And because you've got to be prepared, otherwise you're going to react in a way that you don't need to react. So remember when Peter said, I'll die for you? Now that here come all these Roman soldiers and Judas, and Judas comes up and kisses Jesus on the cheek, and Peter jumps up out of his sleep, pulls out his sword... I'm going to ask you a question. If a whole group of policemen come in to arrest somebody and you pull out your gun, what do you think is going to happen to you? I mean, that's a death wish. You're fixing to die. I mean, these were Roman soldiers trained. So when he told Jesus, I'll die for you, I mean, he was serious. He he was ready to do this thing. And not only did he just pull it, he reached out and cut Malchus, the high priest's servant's ear off. And I personally don't believe he was aiming for his ear. He's probably aiming for his head, but Malchus just dodged. I mean, Peter was ready to let's take... I mean, we're not going to let Jesus be taken... But see, he's been asleep, he's not been praying, and he's waking up, and he's reacting out of the flesh. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. If you try to fight battles that are spiritual in the flesh, it's going to kill you. i got a greater plan for you. See, Peter has gone through a series of failures of failures. Jesus is there to help him, and once again, aren't you glad Jesus gets you out of your, your, your troubles? Once again, Jesus reaches down because, I mean, he knows. I mean, they're fixing to arrest Peter. I mean, they're fixing to whip out their swords. They're all going to kill him. I mean, he's fixing to die. And Jesus says, that's not my plan for you, Peter. So Jesus quickly reaches down, picks up the ear, reaches over there and puts it back on the guy's head, and it's perfectly whole. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm one of the soldiers at that point, I'm putting my sword up, and I'm turning, and I'm getting out of there. Somebody else can arrest him. Because they ask him, "We're looking for Jesus," and he said, "I'm him," and they all fall back, slain in the spirit, and they all hit the ground. They get back up, and they say it again, "Bam!" and finally, he don't even say nothing because he's like, "We can play. I can play this game all day long." I'll keep knocking y'all on the ground every time I declare that I am He. Amen. I am the Messiah. I am Jesus Christ. I am the great. I am the morning star. I am the lily of the valley. I am the great and bright shining star. I am Amen. the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am He whom thou seekest. So finally, he just had to shut up because they couldn't handle that anointing. And then... We notice something happen. They arrest Jesus. And the Bible, the next verse says, And Peter followed afar off. I'm going to tell you something. Your, 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 your uh, Demotion. <laughs> your journey away from the Lord. I like, there was a song. I've been, I've been wanting to preach a message on it. Call this a slow fade. Your, your route to, to, uh, uh, backsliding if you want to call it amen it doesn't happen quickly amen it just a little little by little by little okay now then i i know i got a job to do i know i'm supposed to pray but i'd rather sleep and now i got to react out of here and now then i know this is an intense situation and now then we find peter he's just falling far off now at least he's still following the other guys all ran away and then they get to verse number 54 Look at this. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest. And Peter Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. And finally she said, this man is one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said. I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, I'm not, Peter said. Or Peter retorted. After about an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be one of them because he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, The rooster crowed. I didn't finish reading the first part of our scripture, but I think you all know the story. When Jesus told him, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that's when Peter said, no, I'll die for you. Here, Peter has followed him afar off. Now he's here. Now he said, nope, I don't know him. Don't know what you're talking about. Won't have nothing to do with him. I want you to think about this just for a moment. Here, Peter is around this fire. Here's Jesus being beaten, mocked. Sc- I mean, they're, they're, he's just being totally abused, and they're breaking their own laws to do it. And Peter is sitting over here, and and, and he's saying, "No, I I, I don't know him. I, I don't know what y'all are talking about." Oh yeah, you're one of them. You you sound like one of them Christians. You 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 talk like one of them Christians. You 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 act like one of you them Christians. And Peter's saying, "No no no no, I don't know what you're talking about." And all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, the Bible says Jesus just turned. Their eyes met. Can you imagine all of a sudden everything Jesus had ever said? All of a sudden, Peter heard himself say, I'll never. See, the Bible says, pride goeth before a fall. Don't, don't ever say, I, I'll never. You don't know what you'll do in the future. What we have to say is, by God's grace, by God's grace and mercy, I'm going to do my best. He heard Jesus say, you're going to deny me three times for the rooster crows. And all of a sudden, all the weight of guilt and shame, just like it does you and I when we make a mistake, hit him and the Bible says that he ran out and wept bitterly now there's another man that betrayed Jesus Judas walked with him, talked with him did miracles with him just like Peter it was Judas that sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver It was Judas that came and kissed him on the cheek and said, that's him. When Judas realized what he had done, that same guilt and remorse of failure came to him. Judas went, took that money back and he said, I don't want this anymore, take it back. And they said, hey, we don't want nothing to do with that, that's blood money. And he took it and he threw it down. I'm going to tell you something, there's no amount of money in the world can take away guilt and shame from failure. Through this whole situation, Jesus goes on. He's being beaten, scourged, mocked, whipping posts, 39 stripes, hung on a cross. Peter, the weight of this guilt and sin of this betrayal weighing so heavy on him. Jesus dies. And then on the third day, they go to the grave and they say, who's going to roll the stone away? And they get there and the stone's already rolled away. Jesus is risen and he's alive and he tells, go tell my disciples. And Peter. Why did Jesus have to say, and Peter? Peter. Because Peter didn't feel like a disciple. Peter would tell you, I'm no longer a disciple. I used to be a disciple. Yes, I did walk with him. Yes, I did talk with him. Yes, I did do miracles with him. But I failed him, so I am no longer a disciple. I used to be a Christian. I used to go to church. I used to serve God. I used to love Jesus, but I failed. And because I failed, I can't be called that anymore. Because I made a mistake, because I told Jesus I would never do it, and I did it. He doesn't love me anymore. I saw him forgive and heal many people, but I don't think he'll do it for me, because my failure and my sin is worse than all those other people's. See, what I did is it, it, way better, worse than what they did. And so how could he love me? How could I be called a disciple? And so Jesus, when he was giving that discourse and telling them those instructions, he said, tell my disciples and Peter. I'm telling you this morning, he wants to call you by name and tell you, I still count you as one of mine. I still declare that you're still my child, you're still my servant, you're still my disciple. Yes, I know what you did. I was there, I heard it, I saw it, but I still know your name. See, they came back and told the story and Peter jumped up and he ran looked in that tomb saw those grave clothes lay in there oh my goodness it's true and then Jesus appears Jesus embraces him and Jesus gave him an opportunity to make it right how many times did Jesus or Peter deny Christ? three times and Jesus asked Peter three times Peter do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Oh, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord. Oh, this God is so good to give us opportunity, amen, to right our wrongs. Amen, to take what the enemy meant for bad and God work it for our good. To turn it all around And though maybe you failed and you've denied Him He gives you an opportunity to tell Him again Yes, Lord, I love you I mean, I didn't do that on purpose I didn't mean to You know, I was caught up I was afraid I was scared I mean, God knows all of our emotions He made them Do you think anything you do surprises God? No He loves you He knew Peter was going to do that. He told him, Peter, the devil desires to sift you, but I'm praying for you. But when you repent and come back to me. He knew it all in the beginning. He's saying to you today, oh, the devil desires to destroy your life. And when he comes and when you fail, oh, just repent and come back to me. And when you do, strengthen your brothers. Go and let other people know. There's a whole bunch of folks today. Churches would be full today if just half the people who once were members and once sat in the pews and once called on the name of Jesus would show up at church. But most of them are at home depressed because they failed and the devil told them that God can't use them anymore and God doesn't love them anymore. And so now they're ashamed to walk through the door. have people tell me all the time, if I walked in that church, it'd fall down. You just want to tell him, buddy, you, you're not holding this church up. Jesus is holding this thing up, and there ain't nothing you can do to make it fall down. There's nothing you've ever done to make him love you any less. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you any more. He loves you. And then Jesus told Peter, Peter, buddy, what you need is a good dose of the Holy Ghost and Peter got in that upper room just like everybody else and Peter prayed and Peter was there and the Holy Ghost fell and Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost and Peter began to speak in tongues and then Amen. they came and said hey these guys are drunk and the same Peter that couldn't Amen say yes I know him in front of a few people stood in front of tens of thousands and began to preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and say this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel and the last days I'll pour out my spirit and he preached the gospel and he said repent and 3,000 got saved that day And then Peter began to work miracles. And Peter began to travel. And Peter began to take the gospel all over the world. And Peter, and the anointing working with him, he would walk down the street and they would put people sick in beds down the street. And his shadow would just touch them and they would get up and be healed. I'm telling you, that's a different Peter than we saw hiding, saying, I'm a failure. And Jesus happened to say, and tell poor little Peter too. Come on. It's a different Peter. I'm telling you, don't let your past define your future. Don't allow, amen, mistakes and failures. Don't let the devil beat you over the head. Get up and move on and allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, amen, let you become something supernatural. Well, then Peter went on and he wrote 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Good books. Let me ask you a question. How many's how you many, how ever read 1 Judas and Second Judas? You know why? Because he handled failure wrong. He failed too. He denied too. But the Bible says he went and threw that money down. And he went out. Tied a rope around his neck. And he hung himself. He took his life. His life ended. I'm going to tell you something. He had the same opportunity to weep bitterly and repent. As Judas did, as Peter did. When Jesus rose from the dead, he would have said, go tell Peter and Judas, come on, I can still use them. But Judas didn't handle failure. Judas took it in his own hand. He allowed the depression and all the fear and all the worry and all the guilt to overwhelm him. And he took his life. That's why you never read his books. You never saw him do a miracle. You never heard him preach the gospel. I'm going to tell you something, church. We must handle failure right. We are going to fail. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen. We're not exempt. The church is not a place full of perfect people. It's a place full of forgiven people. We've got to stop judging people when they sin and fail. And we've got to begin to call them disciples and say, come on, get up, repent. Come back to Jesus. Now, amen. Get busy about the Father's business because you can make a difference. We need everybody. Romans 10, 9 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart God raised you from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. We need people to be saved. Amen. But they've got to make a confession and they've got to repent. Can I get an Amen. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Anybody got any unrighteousness? Well, if you didn't act just perfect this week, if all your thoughts weren't perfect, if all your words weren't perfect, then you got some unrighteousness. But Jesus just said, I mean through John, that if we confess it, amen, he'll forgive it and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Is that good news to you? It was sure good news to Peter when he heard his name. When those women come running in there saying Jesus is alive, you know old Peter went, oh my goodness, I don't want to see him. And then they said, hey, he called you by name. He asked for you specifically. Can I tell you this morning, God's calling your name. He's asking for you. He knows you. He loves you. How have you handled failure? Now, here's the deal. God don't want you just to keep doing it. He don't want you to just keep denying him. and keep, He wants you to get up, get over it, repent. He wants you to do better. But when we do sin, he wants us to get back up. And not let it stop us because you have a purpose and a plan. Amen. Well, I I hope this message was for, for more than just me today. I told you it wasn't for everybody. But if you've ever failed and if you ever needed forgiveness, if you ever needed Jesus to call your name and tell you, I'm willing to wipe it all away. I want to empower you for your future. I want to give you a plan and a hope. I want you to overcome failure oh don't don't give up don't quit don't don't just stop and end life and end ministry and end relationships and all that. Get up, repent, and move on to blessings and to fruitfulness and you can change the world because the world needs to know and needs to hear. I failed, but God still used me. I failed, but he still loved me. Because they're out there and they failed and they don't think anybody loves them, we got to go tell them. Amen. We got to go tell them somebody loves them. Let's stand to our feet all over this building. If you're here today.